0: Welcome to Establish the Edge. I am your host, Mike Leone. Today, we are bringing you the audio version of a live stream that Adam Levitan, Justin Herzig, and I did earlier today in which we reviewed our Discord member of the month's ball underdog mania tournament team. You can view the full video up at Establish the Run's YouTube page, or you can listen to the audio version here.
1: Hello, and welcome to a special YouTube live stream here at Establish and Run. My name is Adam Levitan. I am joined by one of the best, Michael Leone. We may be joined in a minute by Justin Herzig if he can figure out his hemp internet. But either way, we will review the underdog draft of a special, a very special ETR subscriber. I personally love these reviews. I think it's more valuable and easier to improve. With post draft analysis rather than the live
0: stream version, Michael. Good morning. How's it going? Good morning. You also the live streams are, are tough now too because people just join your draft to like, and it doesn't really replicate the average draft. So right. it, it's it, it's the reviews. I'm starting to come to the the dark side of the review being better than the live stream.
1: Yeah. Okay. Few things before we start. First, we'd appreciate if you hit the subscribe button down below. Helps us continue to continue to create free content like this. Second one: anyone who has a draft kit has access to free money on Underdog Fantasy. Please take it. Literally free money. There's a link below with instructions on how to take it. Third, highly recommend reading Justin Herzig's latest article on Establish to Run on his exposure so far, his reasonings, and his strategy going forward. Link to that is below as well. And most importantly, most importantly, wanted to give a big shout out to the subscriber Connor O'Driscoll, a.k.a. Drico Out. He won the honor of getting roasted here today by being our Discord member of the month in June. If you're a subscriber and you're not in the Discord, you're missing out on a bunch of alpha through the props channel, discussion, direct access, et cetera, et cetera. Be sure to get in there. All right. We're going to talk about the Cam Akers stuff a little bit. We're going to talk about how things are changing on Underdog. A little bit. We're going to start though with round one. Justin Herzig is
0: here. He's,
1: he's here. He's here and he's tilted.
0: You oh. sound you sound like you're breathing hard. Did you just literally manually fix the internet or something? <laughs>
2: uh, I ran into the car because I was going to go over to like Aaron's house who lived not too far away so I could jump on. And then like as I'm getting in the car, my wife has a sprained ankle, so I'm grabbing all of her stuff and she's <laughs> in the middle of a call. And then the was like, yeah, oh, we're going to start working again. So don't worry about it, guys. We're good. <laughs>
0: Uh, you know, good. Justin, you've won the 200k last year. You, you
2: can't, that can't get you some good internet. <laughs> all that got me was a belt. Like literally, <laughs> that money's already gone. All we have to hold is just a belt. All those NFTs, do just yeah. Uh,
1: it's so good. Okay, we are glad to have Justin here. Justin, I just recommended everybody read your article in which you graciously gave everyone access to all your exposures so far and your strategies. So everybody, go check that out. For Justin, I think, though, before we get too far into it here, we should get to Drico's draft because he had an interesting round one pick. I think it's a bit not what I would have done personally. I don't think it's bad by any stretch, but not what I would have done. Leonie, will you scroll back and just go through 1.1, 1.2, 1.3 until we get to Drico at 1.6? So CMC, Dalvin, pretty standard. I understand Kelsey at three in best ball would not do it in managed. Hope you guys listen to the podcast Leonie and I did talking about managed versus best ball. Saquon, okay, you have the injury concern, whatever. Zeke, that's where he goes now. One with five, I don't have a problem with that. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Our man, Draco, goes with Stefan Diggs. I don't know if this was to pander to Leone's, Bill's, Homerism. I like Steph Diggs. I have no problem, but I likely would have gone with the big dog. Um, I think that the RB anchor teams in round one look better to me, I don't necessarily have a problem with this though. Leone, what was your first reaction to seeing Jericho go Steph Diggs at 1.6 over the big dog over Alvin Kamara?
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe I don't have the proper imagination, but I'm going big dog here. I think every time, you know, getting him at 1.6 is pretty good, especially in half PPR format. So it was better than full PPR for Henry. I do want to know, and we're going to talk about this a little bit, the rooms have gotten a little bit wide receiver heavier, which I'm interested Justin's thoughts on that. I have some thoughts on that and he made it work. Like I think the team at the end worked out really well. I also did a podcast with Pat Corain up on establish the edge posted that this morning where you know he's got Antonio Gibson as one of the few backs he thinks can have like this absolutely nuclear league winning season. And it's tough. Like how much do you weigh the chances of Gibson having that? Cause he's got this pass catching element that Derrick Henry doesn't have versus, you know, Odds on, if you're just comparing the two, Derrick Henry is going to hit 20 fantasy points per game at a much higher rate than Antonio Gibson is going to. So, you know, the Diggs-Gibson 2v2 versus Henry Metcalf, for example, right next to it is somewhat interesting. I don't think he gets killed there, but I would have started with Henry personally.
1: Yeah, Justin, what'd you think about taking Steph Diggs there ahead of Derrick Henry, ahead of Alvin Kamara? And also I would note that I personally prefer Tyreek Hill to Steph Diggs. So if I was going wide receiver there, I would have personally gone... Uh, Tyrico.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think what jumps out to me is, I mean, we know Drico. he won uh, ETR Discord member of the month, which means he's very active. I know he's done a bunch of drafts. So my question is when you've got a large enough portfolio, if you want to get digs, just wait a couple drafts until you finish that nine spot or whatever. Like this was a rare draft where the guys that we think are three and four were available at the six. So you're already like, Maybe he's thinking, "Oh, I'm going to grab Digs because that's going to be unique because I'm grabbing, you know, at that very beginning." But if you grab Derrick Henry at the six spot, now you're unique. Who knows what falls to you in that second, and you might be able to get a good combo there that you know not many people have, just because we're not seeing Derrick Henry fall to that six spot very often. But I do agree with Leone that at the end of the day, I don't hate the draft; like it worked out. Um, but there's small edges that I think are missed here and there that we can kind of discuss.
1: Sure. I wanted to get your guys' take on uh, Alvin Kamara. I think, you know, I've tweeted a couple of times my concerns about Alvin Kamara. You see him fall to 1.8 here. We still have him ranked in the top four, and obviously that's a consensus of Silva and everybody else on staff. I personally have Alvin Kamara behind a bunch of these guys. I would take Tyree Hill over Alvin Kamara, et cetera, et cetera. I kind of outlined why on the pod with Silva yesterday. My main concern with Alvin Kamara is every time Taysom Hill takes a snap – The RB target rate and the RB completion percentage is going to go down so, so, so much. Every time Taysom Hill comes in at the goal line, Alvin Kamara's goal line chances go down so, so, so much. We only have him for around 45% of the carries, anyways, and around 14% of the targets, anyways. It's not that different of a role from what Aaron Jones has. So, Leonie, we've held strong, though, with Alvin Kamara in the top four. Have you reconsidered that at all? We see him go 1.8
0: here. I think the big thing is all the backs sort of have some question marks after the top two backs. So, does Kamara have question marks? Yeah, and I'm starting to get a little bit more concerned as it seems like you know, the odds of Jameis winning the job seem a little bit lower than they were, and I personally prefer Jameis in that role where like, you get vultured a little bit less, although they could still mix in Taysom by the goal line. But I think the RB targets are a little bit safer with Jameis. But I, I still think Alvin Kamara is just a special type of player, and some of the data from last year with Taysom like there was that one Denver game where Kendall Hinton was the quarterback for Denver and they, they yeah. ran, I mean, it was like a high school game. You know, they were just running the clock out from the start that like, if we take that game out. He had one bad target game early. Then he had the Denver game and people were like super panicking. And then they forgot, like he had a, a couple games where the targets were absolutely fine with Taysom. So
1: one game, one game, he had a zero catch game with Taysom. He had a two catch game with Taysom on three targets, I believe. And then he had,
0: I threw out the Denver game. And then he had the 10 target game in the last one. So like the average amount of targets of those three games is like <laughs> fine though. So, and the 14% target share, like that's heavily discounted from what, what is in the past, you know, like that's baked yeah. in.
2: Right. And I'm more likely to trust the larger sample size of the way that the saints have used Kamara across his career over the small sample size of, Hey, we've, you know, we got to bring in Taysom. Let's figure out what Taysom can do best and not having that offseason to kind of jive. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, as Leonie said, like, yeah, everyone's got question marks here. But the thing is, you kind of have to, you know, to really have a chance at this, you got to try to hit on that first round. And uh, grabbing someone like a wide receiver at the top of it, they need to not only finish as the wide receiver for one, but they need to have an amazing season to really make up for. And you need to then hit on at least one likely two running backs later on. So that's where, yeah, I'm not wearing the double condoms. I'm, you know, because I think that's what it sounds like for you is you're scared that, oh, Kamara's not going to work out. That's fine. He may not work out, but we're drafting for he does. And yeah. when he does, he has the chance to still finish. I don't know, depending on injuries, maybe number one, but like, you know, he still has the opportunity to finish top two, top three running back of the year.
1: Yeah. And to be clear, I have no problem with it in this format. I was talking more to people in managed leagues who like, this is their whole year is would you take Alvin Kamara third overall? They have one team with their buddies from home and there's so much opportunity cost in round one. You know, I would, duck, I would dump Alvin Kamara down a bit in that format. Just me.
2: Agreed. Um, and, and elite wide receivers are so much more valuable in managed leagues right. where you have to choose who you're starting. You can't just make up for it with depth and say, I've got nine wide receivers on my team. Just figure out who does well that week.
1: Exactly. Uh, Leonie, scroll over to the 12 spot, because I want to talk about the Cam Akers thing for a second. I know a lot of you guys probably out there have Cam Akers. You're tilting your face off right now. um, I think people need to understand that this whole, like, don't draft early because of what Cam Akers, happened to Cam Akers thing um, is just silly because it's an even playing field. Daryl Henderson was just as likely to get hurt as Cam Akers, was it's literally just bad luck. I think what we can talk about now, though, Leone, is what you did the two minute drill on today. Should we be taking Daryl Henderson now? Because there are a lot of teams out there, tons of teams out there who have Daryl Henderson as a 10th round pick, an 11th round pick, as a 12th round pick. Would you now spend the fourth round pick on Daryl Henderson? Leone, go ahead and recap what you talked about on the two minute pod.
0: Yeah, this is where I've learned from Justin. I've learned from Eric Bime for to you know really attack this like a tournament. You know, channel my DFS mindset a little bit more. In the past, I would be like, I'm just trying to build the best team possible. If Daryl Henderson fits it, I'm still going to take Daryl Henderson. But if you think about it in a tournament setting, especially one of you know this gargantuan size, so top heavy with a million dollar prize up top. You know, if you were in a DFS tournament like this, and there were people that had Daryl Henderson in their DraftKings lineups at 4K. You wouldn't play him at 6K even if he was a good value because you can't beat the 4K teams. You know it doesn't mean you can't beat the 4K teams at all, but you're very unlikely to beat the 4K teams with Daryl Henderson. You know you're kind of at that point fading Daryl Henderson and hoping he does poorly because you're you're trying to optimize your chances of winning. You know within the constraints you're working. So I'm on. Fade Henderson, like if he fell to a certain point, like the eighth round where it wasn't this huge discount, I would take him, but there's 12 people in your league. Somebody's gonna pull the trigger early. We saw this with Tyreek Hill when that stuff went down. Like someone's always gonna take him around where
2: he would go in a regular draft.
1: Yeah. Justin, do you agree with that that we have to be out on Daryl Henderson going forward now?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think out at his current ADP because his ADP is gonna settle probably pretty similar to where it's gonna settle for redraft leagues. And when you're looking at that, we look at, okay, so my guess is he's going to be around Chris Carson, Miles Sanders, maybe David Montgomery. You have to have so much confidence that he is a better pick than those because, A, at the end of the day, we're probably 50-50 on who's the better pick out of those? But you have to be so confident that he's better than all of those because if you do win your league with him, he's probably doing it with a great season, which means everyone in the playoffs that also had him as a great season but got him in the 12th round is there as well and they have stronger teams. So, now we're giving up the also contrarian and the unique value. Like, you know, we use the Kamara example in my lineup last year. Like, it was so valuable just because he was the only one. Stefan Diggs, he had a huge game in that week uh, 16 as well. But he was also on like 30% of teams because he had such a big year. We want to find the guys that, hey, when we're in those playoffs, we want to be unique. So we're already sacrificing that uniqueness and taking a, um, you know, and, and we're already taking a bit of a backseat to these better lineups.
1: Yeah. Okay. Let's move to round two. Our man Drico comes on the clock here. He could have taken Aaron Jones, who I know Justin is a fan. And if he could have taken Joe Mixon, he decides to go with Antonio Gibson. I certainly have no problem with that. I likely would have gone Aaron Jones, and mainly because I do think Aaron Rodgers is going to end up playing for the Packers. I can't say for sure, but it feels like it's heading towards that direction. Justin, what do you think of going Antonio Gibson here over Mixon, over Aaron Jones?
2: Yeah, I, I would go Mixon. Uh, so I do have it as Mixon Aaron Jones. I think ETR has it the other way. Um, but I think I'm still just baking in that small amount of risk of the AJ deal. I'm like Joe Mixon doesn't have any competition. Mm-hmm. Joe Mixon is just a bet that the offensive line is not atrocious and that the Bengals are going to be a strong team. Because if they are, he's getting a ridiculous amount of the workload. He's going to have a substantial role. And when you're getting in the second round, like, yeah, we talk about the, the Ezekiel Elliott had like a 15 points per game last year, but only got you a 2% win rate. That's because he was being drafted in the top five picks. Here, you're getting someone in the second round that gives you, a, hey, if he has not, you know, Joe Mixon just has one of those 15, 17 point games, um, points per a game, his win rate's gonna be higher because your draft at capital is lower. And if he has one of those monster seasons, he has the amount of volume and that offense is potentially has enough upside that he could still finish as a top three, top five overall back. That's why I'm choosing him. That said, if you're choosing Gibson, if you're choosing Aaron Jones, I'm glad he chose a running back. It's, you know, it's nine, it's six and one half the other for the most part.
1: Yeah. Once he goes Steph Diggs in round one, Leone, he has to go running back in round two, right? Because I would have been tempted by George Kittle to try to knock out an elite tight end. But I think once you go wide receiver in round one, you almost have to go running back in round two.
0: Yeah, I have I don't have a lot of like full zero RB teams. If I'm doing it, it's gonna be if I'm getting like Devonte Adams and Diggs at the turn sometimes, you know, where I might have the number one and number two wide receivers. I only have to take seven. I can take a lot of running backs. I think it's a little early for Kittle, you know, as much as I like Kittle, I'm probably still taking the running back. And to Justin's point about like the win rate analysis is really good, but there is kind of like too much being made of that weird Zeke season with a 2.7% win rate. You know, Josh Jacobs is another guy that I am not a pro Josh Jacobs guy, but he had an ADP in the second round. And, he was on his percentage of teams that made it to the tournament round, according to Hayden Winks, like was above average, like, and he had just a mediocre season. And like, that's part of the point behind hyper fragile is you're getting these scores in your lineup all the time. Ta- you know, assuming the guy stays healthy, the scores in your lineup are counting basically each week is the way you're structuring team. You're not wasting a lot of points. And there's a lot of value in that even if that season itself isn't that great, which is, again, one of the big differences between managed and best ball.
2: And on a micro level, if you were taking Ezekiel Elliott, that means you didn't get Dalvin, you didn't get uh, Derrick Henry. Those two had such a high win rate. So just by result, Zeke's is going to be substantially lower. If you look at Josh Jacobs, I believe he was going in that late second, early third. So a lot of those teams also probably got the Zeke or Dalvin at the top of the lineup, which gives them a major boost so much of the early draft picks, your win rate is correlated to who are the other players that are being drafted in those first two, three rounds.
1: Yeah. I'd be really careful using that win rate data and make sure you think about it in the way that Justin just talked about and not just in a total vacuum with the win rate data. The only other thing I'd say about the first two rounds here is, you know, he takes Steph Diggs at 1.6. I think that Calvin Ridley might be like 49% outscore Steph Diggs this year. Like Calvin Ridley, I think is going to absolutely smash and he goes at 2.5. And I think you're behind Pretty good there when you have. I wouldn't have taken Kamara, but you know what I mean. Calvin and and Son and somebody really good versus, or if it was Calvin and Derrick Henry versus Seth Diggs and Antonio Gibson, I definitely prefer Calvin and Derrick Henry. Okay. Comes back to us in round three. Terry McLaurin, another Washington player, goes to Drico. Uh, Justin, what'd you think of going Terry? McLaurin here, he goes back to back with Washington guys. Does it set you up for a Washington football team stack with Ryan Fitzpatrick? Or how are you
2: thinking about it? Once you have two football team guys, if you like the McLaurin pick. Yeah, no, I think that's a strong pick. Um, I think it was probably very close to best available from an ADP stance. Uh, I think Allen Robinson may be slightly above him, but when you already have Gibson, you're making a bet on that Washington offense. Uh, so it makes sense. Hey, let's also make a bet on uh, the top wide receiver there. Um, I think it's interesting because after that third pick, you can map out what this draft is going to look like, because if you're going digs, you definitely want to grab that Josh Allen and we'll see what he grabs later on. But now you've also got to Washington and, uh, we're probably going to set up for a Josh Allen, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And when I think about quarterbacks, an elite guy with a later guy that can have some spike weeks, like that's a good combo. This is where like, after you grab that third one, this draft is starting to feel pretty decent. Uh, gave up that little value early on, but like, I don't hate where it's going.
0: Yeah. Go ahead, Leon. I think this is where we need to talk about you know some of these rooms getting very wide receiver heavy and how to adapt to that. Because I think he did a good job here of even though he took digs early, like still hitting wide receiver, not just with McLaurin, but with Lockett and Claypool. Like that fifth round starting to get really tough with receivers. And I've been in some wide receiver heavy drafts. It's a little bit easier if you get caught behind the wide receiver run, like it's a little bit tougher to make up those points versus that running back, especially if you go, this is why I like grabbing a real stud running back early, because I think you have some flexibility to play with it based on what your room does, Like you can fill in some running back values later. And part of that too, is because you can only take so many running back values. So if it's a really wide receiver, heavy draft and there's a team here in the third team overall, they took Aaron Jones at two CH three, three, Very good values have no problem with that, but then he goes Javante Williams, Kareem Hunt. Like these are guys that look like values at their ADPs, but you have to stop because you just can't load up with that many running backs. And then he adds on two more running backs, James Robinson, Leonard Fournette, who like weren't even that good of ADP values. Like that's where you really get into trouble. Whereas a team that goes wide receiver heavy early, like Dorico. He fills his wide receivers. So then, when he hits his running back run when he needs to, you know, the wide receivers have fallen off quite a bit already and are starting to be wide receivers that are going like really far ahead of ADP. So I think he did a fairly decent job of playing the wide receiver heavy room. Curious, Justin's thoughts on yeah. the wide receiver heavy rooms.
1: Be- before you go, Justin, let me identify some of these where these running backs were going. And this was a puppy draft, I believe, actually, not a BBM. So our mistake there, but still, Miles Sanders at 5.1. Najee Harris 3.9, CEH 3.3, Miles Gaskin 7.12, James Conner 10.9, Javante Williams 6.1, Cream Hunt 7.3. Just in a vacuum, you can see that due to the wide receiver thirst and people starting to understand how much more valuable wide receivers are in this format, you're getting these outrageous values, at least in a vacuum. It's a hard from a roster construction standpoint. But Justin, how are you playing when you can get these really good running backs? So I think we like, I mean, Is it really the dead zone if Miles Sanders is going at 5.1? You know what I mean? Is it really the dead zone if Najee Harris is going at 3.9? Are you following what I'm saying?
2: 100%. And uh, I got to admit, like, I've done 100 plus of these best ball manual ones and I've never seen uh, this much falling. Like, Najee Harris at 3.9 is smash value. Um, I'm taking him in the third round all day, especially if that gives me as a third running back. And now I'm done with like running backs for the day. Um, And yeah, I mean, even David Montgomery at five, seven, like that's, it's just decent value. That's all falling. And you've got a, you got to take it. And trying to figure out like, so I guess people just started reaching on the wide receivers here uh, that kind of dragged them down a little, even the QBs fell a bit. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess like, look, look at these guys that were going in fifth round, Michael Gallup. Like I love Gallup, but not as a fifth rounder. That's uh, mm-hmm. what 48 plus five fifty three. Like that's so early. And I guess yeah. the person just really wanted to build that Dax that Dak um stack but like i have Gallup in the eighth round with a cooper or cd lamb stack too so like it's you're you're just really reaching to get that stack and i don't love it
0: yeah yeah the the hard part i said this to adam before the show but like if you were doing an experiment and got super extreme if everyone drafted running backs early except for you like i think you'd end up okay you know like you'd be able to figure it out if everyone drafted wide receivers early except for you I don't know if you'd be okay, even with the quantity over quality. Now it's not happening on quite those extremes. That's just like a thought experiment that helps me think through that. But to Justin's points, there's all these running back values falling. It's kind of with running backs, it's picking this spot where you you just have to pick and choose your spots, I I guess is my point, because you can't take all of them. You know, if you start three running backs out of the gate and you want to build your wide receivers, what are you, what are you doing in, you know, in rounds five through Through 10. Like it gets a little bit tough if everyone has taken receivers and I you know.
1: I think the zag that people would be thinking about a proposal would be like, let's say you started Tyreek Hill, Steph Diggs, and then it looks like the dead zone in round three, four, five, but it's really not anymore because you get CEH, Najee, Miles Sanders, right? So let's say you started with something crazy like that. Wouldn't that be a winning roster? Tyreek, Steph Diggs, and then three running running backs that really fall like crazy to these crazy ADPs. Those, that's the kind of zag that I at least was thinking about as these wide receivers are all just getting sucked up so early.
2: Yeah, and if you could guarantee that 100%, uh, right. I think this is just an outlier to see Najee going anywhere in the third round yeah. outside of like the first two picks of that round. Um, Miles Sanders, we definitely see in the fourth round, but definitely not the fifth. And, and I guess it was yeah. one, so it was, similar, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, go ahead. I've then. gotten Miles Sanders to the final. I would say the problem is too, like you don't know what room you're in until... You yeah. Know, the third through through sixth round, so that's why I still like getting the elite running back early. Uh, but like I have sometimes at the turn, instead of going double elite running back, I've taken one and one of the best receivers just to keep that open. Like you know maybe Dobbins falls the three four turn like those types of things. Yep.
1: Okay. Let's keep it moving. Here gets back to our man Drico in round four. He goes Tyler Lockett, who I like very much, and a micro level it gets to him in round five. He takes Chase Claypool now. He has, what, four wide receivers and one running back through the first five rounds. It's certainly construction that we like. Justin, what do you think about those back-to-back wide receiver picks there of
2: Lockett and Claypool? Yeah, so, I mean, pick 54, so 48-6. 54 was Chase Claypool. Josh Allen's ADP is, like, Mm 51-52, so that was a bold move to not grab Josh Allen there. I'm all about not reaching for your stat QB counterpart. But I think I would have gone, I definitely would have gone Josh Allen there since I'm already overspent on digs. Like I'm investing in this stack. So I would have grabbed it. Props to you for getting Josh Allen in that next round and for people allowing this to happen. Um, and, and that fact, the thing to me is, I've actually been going, uh, if I have one of the first like four, six picks, I'm almost now starting to get an elite QB every time because the other options compared to those QBs. Is not that much different from like the wide receivers that are going in the chase clay pool versus like the Visca Jarvis and like that gap in between, I think is pretty tight. So if I have the opportunity, I'm probably trying to grab one of these Josh Dak Kyler Lamars um, and just set myself up to say like, Hey, maybe I'm gonna up a tiny bit of wide receiver value, but I'm still going to hammer those wide receivers later on what he did though. Amazing worked out. Good job.
1: Yeah, Uh, Leone. He has the Josh Allen to dig stack. I assume that means he gets an A from you in his draft review.
0: Of course, but I feel very similarly to Justin, where a lot of the times this fifth round, like after T Higgins, is like there's like T Higgins and Thielen, and then like even Ayuk. As much as I love him, like he's starting to go early five. It's early, and I really turn to the onesie positions where I'm either getting elite quarterback or like I'd rather reach a little bit on Andrews and Hawkinson. As, you know, doing drafts with Justin has taught me like thinking through like the two v two. It's like I, I can get Hawkinson or Andrews a lot of times at the five six turn, and then at the seven eight turn. You know, even in a wide receiver thirsty room, like Juju goes. You know, we had uh, Brandon Cooks go late, Jarvis go late. Like I don't think there's a massive difference between them and Claypool, especially in best ball when you've already have wide receivers early and the way the distributions work, like there's a diminishing point of returns where in a managed league, like maybe I'd take an extra shot at Claypool's breakout upside, but in best ball, like I don't know how many points you're really adding to your roster. It did. And again, kudos to him because it, it didn't work out.
1: Yeah. I mean, getting Josh Allen at 6.7, by the way, Silva just moved Josh Allen into his QB one spot overall uh, in his top 150. And so to get Josh Allen 6.7, when guys like Joe Burrow, are going 7.8. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And Mahomes, I didn't see where Mahomes went. I'm sure he went in the third or fourth round too. And so, you know, just unbelievable to get Josh Allen there. Now, through six rounds, Draco only has one running back. It is Antonio Gibson. He immediately steps on the gas pedal with running backs here, Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Michael Carter. I'm okay with all of them uh, in a vacuum. I'm certainly not excited about it, but that's kind of the point, right? When you do this kind of construction Justin what do you think about going RB 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 here and on a micro level what do you think about the picks
2: yeah so let's scroll down does he finish with four or five running backs because I think that, that influence like, I think he ended up with just four. I think he, um, he four which you know I'm a big opponent of four but if I'm grabbing digs in the first I'm probably thinking that I'm going to try to grab five running backs this draft um just need a little more uh, when you don't have that kind of true anchor or that's even elite second running back uh In that situation, what I'm looking to do is there's a dead zone in the, I'd say, -ah, rounds 11 to 13 where all the running backs are pretty similar and the wide receivers all have substantial question marks. And I kind of think of it as like right after that Jalen Rager, Gabriel Davis. So in my mindset, I'm still probably not going three here. I'm probably grabbing one, maybe two, knowing I'm grabbing two more in that dead wide receiver zone later on. Uh, that said, from a player-wise, uh, I love Chase Edmonds. Um, the Arizona offense, that running game was just so efficient the past year that we're making a bet that the news reports are right, that Chase Edmonds really has that starter job. And if that's the case, he should be going in the fourth round. Um, now, I know that they've been very hesitant to use him around the goal line. I understand that's a place that James Conner can kind of you know, fit in and take away from uh, Edmonds a bit, but I think Edmonds is a fantastic from a running back upside play where if things work out, if he does get a bit more of that kind of workload, we know the offense is heavy efficient with Kyler back there in the running game. Uh, I love that pick.
1: Yeah. Uh, 7.6 is ridiculous for Chase Edmonds to go ahead Leon, on these back-to-back-to-back running back picks.
0: Well, we know that we want to attack ambiguous backfields and JJ Zacharias recently did some research that said there's like a surprisingly strong hit rate if you take the RB1 in an ambiguous backfield when both running backs are going in like this 7th through 10th round range. And I had early in my drafts been just taking James Conner at a discount to Edmonds, but this is kind of reinforced to me that I need to be a little bit more aggressive and swing at Edmonds upside because he is the RB1 by ADP. And you know, what JJ's research says is like the market's been pretty good on that. And I think most are, you can make the argument where him and Sermon are so close that like, you know, it's a very similar type bat. Now, Michael Carter is the RB one in an ambiguous backfield, but it's not a high value backfield. You know, the RB two there is going very late, whether it's Ty Johnson or Tevin Coleman at the very end of drafts. And that's the pick two, where I agree with Justin, where I would have made this a five running back build and probably taken a better wide receiver there, and then take in, you know a couple running backs, you kind of like where we see him go, Jacoby Myers ish, you know, like and like Zach Moss went in round eleven, like I probably would have waited um, there. Yeah, I'd
1: say I-, I was on the Connor over Edmonds train as well, but that was when Connor was going when Edmonds was going in like round five. Now if you can get him in round six and Connor goes in round ten, I mean it's a no brainer to take. Chase Edmonds, they're way better value than James Conner in round 10. Okay, Trico has four running backs now, and now he's like, Well, let's step back on the gas pedal with wide receivers. I do like Rondell Moore in a vacuum. Gabe Davis is part of a Josh Allen stack. I'm not sure where Josh, where Gabe Davis's ADP is right now. I'm not sure if that was a reach or not, but I do like Gabe Davis in general. The only well, I, yeah,
0: well, and one thing I just want to point out like Michael Carter. Like He could have taken Logan Thomas there. You know, he doesn't have a tight end at this point. It's the Washington football team stack. I probably would have taken Logan Thomas, you know, not a wide receiver at that 9-6 pick.
1: Yeah, you're right. I didn't even cross my mind. You didn't have a tight end yet. Let's talk about that in general, Herzig. What do you think about not taking a tight end until we get all the way to round 14 here?
2: So what you're basically doing is guaranteeing that you're going to grab three when you know you're grabbing three, I'm a little more okay with waiting as long as possible uh, because I think from an actual like projections wise, the difference between Mike Gesicki and Hunter Henry is basic is not much more than a coin flip. Um, Logan Thomas at the beginning I had him in that tier above. I have thus far, I have more recently dropped him down a bit. Uh, I just think there's just going to be so many mouths to feed in that offense and new new quarterback adds doubt. That said, when I have when I have Gibson, when I have McLaurin, yeah, Logan Thomas was the smash spot in this play um, and just re reaffirm that you're going for that Washington stack to complement the Josh Allen. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back
1: up on G Drico's team a little bit there. Okay. Rondale, Gabe Davis was a slight reach, but it's okay to complete the stack. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. Now we have Josh Allen already. We go Justin Fields here passing on tight end. Yet again, passing on a fifth running back. Obviously, I think 12.7 is great value for Justin Fields. Leone. you've been on the Justin Fields train for, it seems like, months now. What do you think of this pick?
0: Yeah, I will say that like, the Fields and Lance ADPs are starting to get, a, like, I, I'm wondering if we're jumping the shark and uh, not drafting enough Trevor Lawrence. I've started to mix him more. But twelve sevens a, a great spot to get Fields. This is where you run into that problem, though, kind of what Justin was talking about, where you got this dead area to an extent where, if he had taken Logan Thomas instead of Michael Carter, he could have maybe hit a running back here and waited to take Fitzpatrick. But in general, I don't have a problem with Fields. It's a rushing quarterback with a lot of upside. The value is really good. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm like, I'm curious to hear what Justin has because I, I like don't feel strongly one way or the other on this pick.
2: Yeah, so I'm just looking at his ADP. Uh, I mean, in a vacuum. So you got him at one pick, 139, which I think is pretty good. He's 133, so like not smash, but like pretty good value. But the thing is, I think you saw that value, saw the field's vacuum upside and said I want him. But the thing is, you don't have Allen Robinson. You don't have Darnell Mooney. They've already been drafted. Yes, you can do that Cole Komet stack later on. But overall, like there's better teams you can do with fields. And you, what happened to the Ryan Fitzpatrick? We already started with those two elite guys early on. If what, you know, if your team's going to be good, it's going to be because your top running back and your top wide receiver are going to have great years, which also means Fitzpatrick is probably going to have a pretty solid year as well. Uh, Wait on that. That's where I think, you know, hey, once you grab fields, you can't grab the Fitzpatrick anymore. um, And agreed. I think I don't want to go like, you know, because agreed this would have a great spot for one of those value running backs. Otherwise I think just load up on grab another wide receiver. Um, you never can have too many at this spot. And it also allows you since you already know you're going three tight end to get those later.
1: Yeah. What running backs do you guys like in this range here? Cause I think people struggle with, with this range of running back and who to take. I don't really like taking then, Jim James white. I know some people do, but what do you think Leonie?
0: Well, like Jamal Williams, when the that Anthony Lynn comment came out people were going nuts and drafting him in the 8th round you know i don't mind the 13th round Jamal Williams i don't mind Madison here at all is like a really high upside handcuff and at that point the discount on him is pretty like sometimes the pure handcuff guys go a little bit too early but you know he, he could have taken Jamal Williams and Madison in 12 13 and you know Logan Thomas in round 9 and i probably would have liked that better and then Fitzpatrick later something like that
2: yeah, uh, um, I would say Latavius Murray is going 134. I can't tell if he's available here, but that's about that ADP. Yeah, he went 12.3 he here. Ju-
0: he would have just missed Latavius. Okay, so then Naheem Hines is oh, probably... Hines, Hines. I like Hines. I like Singletary, too. Like, th- this is Justin's point. Like, there's just a lot of backs that
2: you can bet on. Mm-hmm. And Singletary gives you the decent stack. Like, you already have the Josh Allen. So, like, we saw Devin Singletary, like, that one silly game where he made the kind of juke move on the right-hand side and had the touchdown, like... He has some receiving chops. I'm not on Devin Singletary. I don't want much of that running back backfield. But when you're this late in the draft, you already have a stack. I don't mind grabbing him either.
1: Uh, why don't you put up Drico's question here, Leonie? Let's let him uh, speak here as we continue to bash his team. Let him let him get his word in. I'm not sure exactly what he means here. But certainly, if you get LT3 and you have uh, Fitzpatrick with McLaurin and Gibson, it would be a really nice stack, I think. I don't know. Do you need I to think-
0: have lt three to have an elite season for it not to be a losing bet? I think he's, yeah, I think his concern here is if it's a stack that the way the points are distributed, that Logan Thomas can't have the elite season with the, the whole stack going off. But mm-hmm. uh, I've definitely seen like pretty high correlations with tight end quarterback. And the you know, very first article I wrote for established the run, uh, the stacks with tight ends didn't do great last year from the pure data, but there were a lot of like really nuanced reasons for why that was the case. You know, the huge seasons from Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller being at the top of the list and some guys that did well with undrafted quarterbacks in best ball. I, I don't know. I think, I think that's overthinking it a little bit. I would take the correlation. You're just really hoping for a very strong, consistent season out of Logan Thomas where you can use his score the vast majority of the time. Like, it's not like you're getting elite tight end season by waiting anyways, you know, it's not getting, so yeah, I I think it's, and I, I had this concern too, when we did our, you know, like our industry draft with underdog, I said to Justin, like, I was a little worried. I was like, should I take Marquise Brown? We already have Dobbins and Andrews. Like, and I was just kind of overthinking. It. It's like if the offense does really well, the distributions is gonna work out in your favor. It's not like you have to start all three guys every right. single week. Like that's best ball.
1: That was that was my point. It's not like DFS where you can't have a stack of four because there's no way all four guys go off. If this they're gonna pick for you, underdog will pick for you the guy that goes off in the given week, so you can stack more guys. I think that's more the way I would think about it. But yeah, what do you think about what he was saying about Logan Thomas, uh, Justin?
2: Yeah, it's just, what, ninth, 10th round value of a tight end? Like, A, you don't need a ninth or 10th round value to have an elite season to still be a productive pick, especially within your stack. Then a tight end, you don't need to have an elite season to be a productive part of your stack. Like, it's not hard for a tight end to be valuable and have a decent win rate on your team just by being part of a better offense. And so that's where our larger bet is. Uh, If Washington ends up averaging 27, 30 points a game, like yeah, it's unlikely like in that week 17 that we care about that McClure and that Gibson and Logan Thomas are all going to have huge games and Fitzpatrick. But if two out of those three do, you're still in a great position. And hey, we still have the rest of the team that can kind of make up for it. But across the whole season, I'm betting on the production and the upside of an offense. And so give me as many pieces within reason.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's go to the end here. See how Drico wrapped it up. He went back to back tight ends, who I think both have a reasonable amount of upside. I'm not certainly not in love with either, but I think they're both totally fine. Then he goes wide receiver, wide receiver with Slayton and Eskridge, who I'm both, both those guys I think I'm perfectly fine with. And then the last one, I don't know if this was trying to appease me, but Donald Parham, who, uh, you know, wasn't the best all season run out for Donald Parham. Jared Cook, I think, will uh, struggle with the age model, but then they go use a third-round pick on Trey McKitty. So I actually haven't been taking donald parham with my last pick very often then again most of my teams are two tight end teams not three tight end teams so i don't really get myself into this spot very often but herzig what you think of the last few picks here
2: from drico yeah i've trying to see what tight ends would have been available in round 16 but that's probably where i would have uh grabbed either an austin hooper or someone like hooper went pretty early too Uh, so maybe there really was no one available in that round 16, but that also touches on the kind of dangers of depending on three very late tight ends. Um, I also, once I grab Justin Fields, I'm trying to grab someone like Marquise Goodwin with my 18th. And so I'd rather have Marquise Goodwin on this team than Darius Slayton, which allows me to say, Hey, I know my 18th is locked up. No one else is drafting a guy like Marquise Goodwin. So that says, okay, now in my 16th or 17th, I can focus on getting that third tight end. So I'm not, you know, I'm not relegated to getting stuck with a Donald Parham. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I have some
2: dead Anthony Miller shares from earlier in the off season, and
0: I need to start replacing them with some Marquise Goodwin very late, who sounds like, you know, he's been performing well. And, you know, if, if we want to play hashtag better in baseball, you know, he is the, uh, the deep threat that could, you know, maybe break a couple long ones throughout the the course of the season. I would only draft him in stacks, but it's something I, I have been meaning to do in round 18.
1: Okay, so Draco ends up with a two, four, nine, 3 two quarterbacks, four running backs, nine wide receivers, and three tight ends. Justin, based on your article, I know that you have, have done this construction a lot. Do you have a preference with this 2493 versus any other? It seems like maybe you're doing 2493 more than the field. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it was, I forgot the top of head, but 60 some percent of my lineups only had four running backs and two, four, nine, three was definitely one of the highest. Um, I think when I look at his team, uh, I love his wide receivers, but I honestly think you're probably too strong at wide receiver, which kind of, you know, which kind of hurt you at your other positions Uh, specifically running back and tight end, just feel a little light here. Uh, Tight end. uh, It is what it is. It's a tight end position. You've got three. I still, you know, Cole Kovac and Hunter Henry are fine. Uh, I just think your running backs are a little light here too, because if I'm going four running backs, I probably want to be grabbing one in the first round or at least two in the first kind of maybe three or four rounds. Yeah.
0: I have, you know, kind of touted like making these hyper fragile builds even more fragile in the big tournament. So not going to totally kill him for the four weekish running backs. Like, I think you can get away with that, but just looking at it specifically, it just seems like it would have been much better to take Logan Thomas at that Carter pick and then you know, taking Devin Singletary and Alexander Madison or something, you know, to get to the five running backs.
2: One one thing I'll kind of get on the soapbox on here uh, real quick is when I'm thinking of building these teams, we do need to win. We need to get, you know, finish in the top two of our league. It's not actually that hard to finish top two out of 12. And so that is a thing we should be prioritizing. Sometimes when you do these really hyper fragile builds like this and you don't get running backs early, yes, this team, probably has a better chance of finishing as the most regular season points than any team I've drafted. But the thing is, you could finish as the top regular season point total. And when we get to the playoffs, it's now just starting out with a wash again. So we need to think of the tournament as it's so important just to advance in those early rounds. And finishing in the top, what, 1 out of 6, 2 out of 12, isn't that hard. But we're, we're taking unnecessary risks when we're not giving ourselves like a strong RB backfield to kind of guide us along that way.
1: Yep. Okay. I think it's well said. I think that this is valuable. Again, I think that reviewing content is much better than doing the live drafts. Big, big, big shout out to Draco, who's been so active and helpful in all the channels in the Discord. If you subscribe to ETR, you have access to the Discord. I think you are missing out if you are not in the Discord. Continue to follow Leone on Twitter where he's absolutely crushing it, at Two Hats, One Mic. Herzig, you can find him on and Justin, Austin. Justin, what's your uh, uh, Twitter again? Is it just Justin Herzig?
2: Yep, just at Justin Herzig, H E R Z I G.
1: Oh, there it is. It's on the screen already. Do not forget to claim your underdog package. Congrats again to Drico for being a good sport here. Congrats to Drico for winning the member of the month. I agree with some of the comments here. Marquise Goodwin is not going to be a thing. Uh, Leone, it's enough. It's enough with Marquise Goodwin.
0: Flash Goodwin, man stop it.
1: Okay. For Leone, for Herzig, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.